Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I am joined tonight by the supreme leader of our site, the uh, the football expert, the none other than Mike Plank. How, how are you doing tonight, Mike? Well, I wish I wasn't a KU football expert, I'll tell you that. But uh, <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Um, had a good uh, Memorial Day weekend with uh, both sides of the fan and uh, just got home a little bit ago and recuperating from that. So, yeah, we're ha- we're doing good. Sounds like fun. I thought you were going to make a comment this time about me calling you the supreme leader. Given all the... Um, Star Wars talk we've had on the site recently. I thought you might take offense to being compared to uh, Snoke, but anyway. No, um, I'll uh, I'll take Supreme Leader. I, I kind of like that idea. <laughs> All right. Well, so really quick, the very first thing um, you are you were part of the the last couple episodes we had. Um, the the first one, kind of our surprise episode, being the reaction to Shanzinger getting fired. So. Um, we actually had a couple other people that, that were lined up. I was planning on releasing a second episode of people's reactions. I didn't actually get an opportunity to do that, but I do have one more um, for, from, from David um, on the site, David Potter. I, I want to go ahead and throw that over to his reaction real quick so you guys can go ahead and hear it. So we'll go ahead and get that really, really quick, and then we'll be right back with you guys. All right, and I'm joined by David Potter. Hey, hey David, how's it going? All right, how are you? We're doing pretty good. It's been a while since we had you on the podcast, but obviously with the news of Zimmer getting fired, I just had to round up the entire gang and ask each of them in turn, uh, what was your reaction when you first heard the news about Zinger getting fired today? Um, I mean, I was I was glad to see it. I mean, obviously we've all been uh, lobbying for this for a long time just because of, uh, I mean, obviously how everything has uh, really gone, especially under uh, football under his watch. I mean, I don't know that I was quite as excited as maybe uh, a lot of the commenters have been on RCT. 
um, just because I don't, I don't think it guarantees any sort of uh, turnaround or anything like that in the football program. But, um, you know, aside from maybe some fundraising success with the, uh, uh, obviously with Rock Chalk Park and then also with the plans for what they're doing at Memorial Stadium and, uh, and the pr- practice facility, it's hard to really point to anything that's been a big success under Zenger. So I, I don't really see a way that, uh, you know, anything, I, I don't see how it could possibly be a negative uh, just because of, yeah, just how poorly things have gone under him for the most part. So I was glad to see it, but, um, you know, again, I, I, there's no guarantee that, you know, the football program is going to magically turn itself around right away or anything like that. So, um, you know, I'm just kind of hoping that they get somebody good in there can make a good hire after Beatty's gone. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I I saw a lot of comments in a bunch of different articles today um, talking about how, you know, you probably couldn't really make a good, passionate case for keeping Zinger just based off of the results. But it's also some really right. good timing to do this, um, that it may not work as well as people are hoping that it will just because of the timing, because of the difficulties that doing this now introduces. Um, but but seriously, though, I want to know, like, what was your actual reaction? Because I imagine there's a lot of people that have been going crazy. Um, I, you know, I can imagine some, some profanity. As, as I was telling Mike earlier today, I was in the middle of the grocery store when, uh, when, when I actually got the news, and I just went ballistic. I started yelling right in the middle of the grocery store. And, of course, I'm <laughs> and people are looking at me like I'm insane. Um, I mean, any, any kind of reaction like that for you, or were you, like, in the middle of work and couldn't do that? Um, no, I, I'd actually just got to work, and I saw it on my phone after I uh, pulled into the parking lot. But, no, I, I mean, I was definitely surprised. I don't think I said anything out loud, but I, I, I just sort of assumed that, you know, Beatty and Zenger were going to stick around through the end of this football season. I've even said a couple of times on the on the site, you know, if, I felt like if KU stumbled into a few wins somehow this year and went, you know, even just three and nine, that – that was basically going to cement that Beatty and Zinger were going to be around another year because obviously Zinger's not getting rid of Beatty because that, you know, not many ADs get to hire three football coaches. And then, um, yeah, you know, it just didn't seem like there was a whole lot of momentum from within KU to get rid of Zinger. It mostly just seemed to be in the fan base. So, I mean, I was definitely surprised by the timing of it. Uh, I, I really hadn't even – considered that he was going to be fired before he, before football season even came around. So, yeah, I, would, I was definitely surprised. But, um, yeah, I, I wasn't uh, – I, I don't think I was quite as uh, hyped about it as maybe some other KU fans were. But, you know, again, definitely happy to see uh, them go with a change of direction here. Some, some sort of accountability, honestly. So, all right. Well, I guess that kind of leads into the only other question I have for you is – what do you think this does for football? I mean, obviously, I think it. We've we've all talked about how it puts pressure now on Beatty to actually perform this year. Um, but do you think it it really changes too much of what he needs to do, um, or I mean, does, does it really solidify the opportunity for him to be gone if he doesn't really turn the program around drastically this year? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of pressure, I think, from fans and donors and everyone else on whoever the new AD is. Um, to, to make a change. Uh, you know, I, I know there are still those fans who, you know, don't like the idea of firing another football coach or whatever, but 
I, I think by and large, you know, people want to see a change because Beatty's had, you know, a pretty good opportunity to show that he can turn things around and it's just not happening. Um, I think the bar is probably a little higher where Zanger probably would have probably uh, tried to find a way to keep Beatty if they'd even gone three and nine. I don't think three and nine is going to cut it for a new AD. You know, that he's going to be wanting to make his own hire and bring a new guy in. So I think the bar is now a little higher for Beatty to try and turn things around in one season, which I don't think anyone has uh, much faith that that's going to happen. So, um, yeah, the expectations are probably a little higher, and uh, I, I I would be shocked if the circumstances worked out in a way where we're not talking about a new KU football coach this next offseason. Yeah, well, as, as as Fetch put it, we should be professionals at, at uh, covering a coaching search by now. So I'm I'm actually kind of looking forward to it in this case. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, any other final thoughts before we sign off for the night? Uh, no, just uh, looking forward to getting a new football coach. Yeah, me too. All right. Thanks, thanks, David. All right. Now, so so you guys just heard what David's reaction was. The, the same kind of questions we asked uh, Mike and and all of them last week. But um, so. Obviously, the big news, and we didn't really have a, the, the opportunity to break it down really well in the podcast because we were trying to get to it so quickly, is Shane Zinger being fired. Um, so let's let's kind of take a minute to, to kind of unpack what that means. First of all, do, do you have any ideas other than what's kind of been randomly out there as a bunch of random rumors, any ideas of what might have led to the timing of this firing? I think I don't think there was any grand conspiracy or anything. I I do not think it had anything to do with the uh, the cheerleader thing that broke a couple of weeks ago. I do not think it had anything to do with the FBI investigation and college basketball. Um, I just I just don't think those had maybe a little, but you know, much if any uh, uh, stress, I guess, on on the decision. I think it was simply a matter of you know, the new chancellor who's been on the job for less than a year, you know, taking his time to uh, properly, I believe, uh, review that, you know, he's got to review the different areas of the university, right? And right. he finally, he got around to reviewing athletics and seeing what was going on there and and came to the decision of, I need a new athletic director. And I think that's all that that was, was just, I mean, a, a new chancellor is not going to come in and fire the athletic director on day three. I mean, he's he's just not going to do that. He's going to take his time, and he's going to do a proper review. And I think that that's all it was. Yeah, I, I can buy that. I do think that there was a little bit more to it. Um, I don't think it so much has to do with, like, the cheerleading scandal or any of that stuff. Um, but some, something that we've talked about a lot on the site recently and what, you know, the, the timing kind of makes sense is, um, you know, this happened fairly soon after – can, uh, the athletic department would have finished compiling the results of their their survey related to the raise of the chant. Um, yeah, that too. So, yeah. So I'm thinking what seems the most likely to me is, I mean, yeah, he was doing the full review. Um, you know, they were starting to get numbers back from the raise of the chant. Um, everything that I've heard uh, from some people that are that are close to the program even was that, you know, the the fundraising efforts are not as far along as they were expecting them to be at this point. And so take that into combination with I'm almost certain that a vast majority of the comments they've gotten from that survey were not flattering of Zinger and, and the job that he's doing at all. 
it just seems like it was kind of the right time for everything to come together for him to finally feel comfortable, him him being Chancellor Gerard, um, to go ahead and pull the trigger there. Obviously, it's not the best timing for a football season uh, for, or for trying to find a new athletic director or really, you know, setting Beatty up for a, a, a good audition, I guess, for the new athletic director once they do find one. But, you know, I, I definitely appreciate the fact that, that the chancellor took the time to do an actual review rather than just buying into public sentiment and immediately firing Zanger when he came on. I mean, obviously, I think we all would have liked to see him go at that point, um, but I, I can at least take some some credibility out of the fact that he waited, did the full review, got what he felt was finally that compelling evidence that he needed to move on. I mean, I'm going to have to disagree with you a little bit there. I think the timing is just almost absolutely perfect. Uh, it gives them, what, three months or so to get a new a- to do a national search, get a new AD in before the fall semester begins, which will give that new AD an entire season to evaluate the football program. Uh, I mean, I just... I, I just think it's perfect timing. Uh, Beatty probably doesn't because he only gets, you know, three months to validate himself. But, uh, I mean, it's year four, man. It's it's time to go bowling. It's it's bowl game or bust. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess there is something to be said about doing a hiring in kind of a non-traditional time, time frame. Typically, like this is something that would have happened – shortly after football season, especially considering the fact that it was football-related. You know, I mean, I, I think I think it's fairly well-known that this has to do with football and nothing else. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, honestly, if you think about it, almost all of the non-revenue sports, with the exception of baseball and softball, are having very, very good years this year. Um, well, we we talked about that. Well, Women's basketball is terrible. Uh, Women's yes, golf so. was even worse. I mean, it, it's – yeah, there's yeah. Well, it's, okay. it's more okay. than just football, but it's ninety eight percent football. I mean, yeah, it's hard though, but I mean like this is the year finally where, you know, women's tennis gets a victory in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, men's golf made it to the to the national tournament for the first time in forever. You know, I mean we're we are seeing very good results from a lot of programs that we don't typically see those sorts of results from. Now, I'm not I'm not one to say that, oh man, Zanger is, you know, doing a really good job with all of those. I think honestly it's just kind of weird and perfect timing that they all, you know, the ones that happen to be doing really well are all doing really well at the same time. Um, And a lot of those coaches he didn't hire anyway. Well, true, true. I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely that going forward. Like I said, I don't want to give him credit for these teams finally performing to a level that, you know, shows that we have a good athletic program. And, And I believe, I don't remember what the exact amount was, but someone was talking about the whole rankings. You know, they, they do the, the, uh, the college cup rankings where essentially right, every yeah. single sport contributes to it. And Kansas was way down in the list, like a lot lower than you would think from a Power 5 school. So, uh, yeah, again, I'm not, I'm not making any excuses for Zanger, any of that stuff. I, I do think, though, it's very clear that, yeah, this was definitely a football-related move. And so if it's going to be a football-related move, you would think it would kind of be not too long into the football offseason. You get plenty of time for a guy to get in, to get established, make whatever headway he can with the coaches that are there, give them a legitimate shot to kind of move forward. Um, you know, it, it, it's just, it, it's weird timing. The one thing that is kind of nice about it is they don't have to worry about any of their top candidates being poached by other schools that are looking for ADs that are probably going to be a bigger name. There's no worries about SEC schools, you know, or, or anyone else that's really looking for an AD at this point. So if they identify a candidate from, you know, uh, from a smaller school, and want to offer them, they're not going to have to compete 
and wait for a bunch of other jobs to fall on the line before they can actually get a legitimate shot with the guys that they want to talk to. So um, yeah. I, I think it makes sense from that from, from that standpoint that it gives them a good opportunity to get the candidate they want to move quickly to, to identify the guy and, and, and get out there. Timing wise, in terms of giving the football program a legitimate chance under this this uh, new AD is not there. But given what we've seen from Beatty, I'm not sure, you know, even if Beatty had a good six months with a new AD and could get whatever kind of direction he wanted from there and new expectations, I'm not sure it would make a difference. So I'm not as concerned about that, but I, I do definitely think that this is kind of a non-traditional and not really the ideal time when you're talking about a normal program. Well, when, when would be an, an ideal time then, I guess, is my question. I mean, to be honest, you know, given the fact that it had nothing to do with basketball um, and kind of Bill Self runs the basketball program really without any, uh, very much input from the athletic director um, other than, you know, logistics of team travel and stuff, at least from everything that I've heard from, from everything, you know, like what it looks like to the outside world. Um, you know, it, I mean, right after football season, you know, so halfway through the basketball season, I don't think it would really would have disrupted our, our basketball team at all. Um, so in terms of like giving other programs like the best opportunity for this new season coming up, it probably would have been, you know, fire him in, in February or January and be looking and fi- and have a new AD in place this month, um, you know, or early in June. I think that then would give time for that person to, to get settled in the job, do his full evaluation, and then set very clear expectations of what the football program has to do um, for Beatty to even have a shot at keeping his job. I think you're going to get that anyway from the new guy that comes in, and, and I'm sure anyone who's a legitimate candidate for this is kind of thinking about that anyway. But, you know, there is a lot of information you can get from actually being in the office and actually interacting with these guys. Um, you know, a, a lot of making a good football hire or deciding to keep a guy on as a previous fo- football hire requires knowing kind of the, the, the character of that person, getting a, an up-close and personal look at what they can do and what, what skills you think they have, what you think they can develop, how you can help them, all of that kind of stuff. Our new AD really probably isn't going to get that chance, especially if, if Beatty goes 0-3 to start the season. Everybody's going to be calling for his head. I, I, don't, I don't know how he survives that, even if the new AD thinks that there's a possibility he might be able to actually uh, help Beatty develop into a successful head coach. He's not going to get that opportunity because, I mean, no one's going to have it, especially if he gets off to the start that we all think he's going to. Well, I'm not sure that you answered my question, but okay. Uh, just for, I guess, just for just for just for FYI, I guess Zinger was hired in January of 2011, and then in December of 2011, he fired Turner Gill. So, I mean, it took you know he gave him the full, and now Gill was only in year two, but he gave Turner Gill a full year uh, to evaluate the football program. But um, you know, Zinger had been on the job for a few months, I guess prior to football season, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I still feel like summer is the best time to hire an athletic director. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not – I don't feel super strongly about, like, this is a horrible time to do it. It's not going to work. Um, I just think, in general, giving someone a little bit more time to search for an athletic director and then be hiring at the beginning of the summer would probably be, like, the ideal time. So, you know, if this had happened in, in, in February or March, okay. we spent yeah, two to three that. months trying to find one. We go into the beginning of the summer when a lot of your administrative stuff is actually making a difference, when you're when you're setting up expectations and, like, getting all of that set up. Um, that's, you know, I, I think it would be ideal for an, a new AD to be hitting the ground running now and getting everything established and moving forward. 
again, we're kind of in a unique situation. I don't think Kansas right now runs like a normal athletic program anyway. So um, maybe the, the benefit of doing it the way you would normally do it or, or doing something more traditional is a little overblown in this case. Either way, I'm not going to complain too much about it. Like I, I'm just I'm happy that we're moving on and that we have an opportunity to actually build a good a good athletic program, assuming we can find the right AD candidate. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy with uh, who with who has been appointed to go ahead and actually lead that search committee. Um, I, I feel really bad because I, I, I forget the name and I haven't been able to look it up. But the same guy that led the search committee to get Bill Self, so good good track record. Yeah, Drew Jennings, I think. Um, Drew, yeah, there we go, Drew Jennings. So, I mean, yeah, I, I have every confidence that we're going to find at least a good candidate. Um, hopefully, he'll be able to turn the, the Kansas programs around in some fashion without it taking very, very long. Um, but, of course, only only time will tell on that. So, all right, so uh, any other thoughts about Zanger getting fired or, you know, like the, 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 the timing of that or anything? Uh, no, I think we covered it. All right, so so just to kind of move on the other the other topic we had uh, kind of did some some brainstorming as a staff, um, and one of our one of our writers, uh, Jay Winmore, had actually come up with a bunch of different ideas. Um, one of them kind of tying into what we're talking about right now, um, and so I wanted to jump into that. You know, give him full credit for coming up with this idea, but um, you know, the stadium and the raise the chant uh, campaign and everything. Um, you know, like what what is the rationale for building a multi-million dollar stadium before even fielding a decent team? You know, I, I hear people talk about, oh, well, we have to keep up facilities wise in order to be able to recruit and all of that. But I mean, does does really having uh, a huge state and spending a bunch of money in, in a huge stadium really do much for us when our coaching staff is incompetent as it is at this point? No. <laughs> I, I, was, I was expecting a little bit more from you there. Oh, um, oh, okay. I thought that was a pretty easy question. I, I don't know what the lead, why you had such a long lead in. Uh, no, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I, I don't know that there's any. I, I mean, maybe we can do a little brainstorming now. Are there any examples of build it and they will come that didn't happen in the movies? I mean, um, yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm trying to all think. these. It, the, I, it's hard to compare, like. Because all I can think of are like professional baseball teams, you know. But uh, you know, the Pirates built a new stadium, and you know everybody's building new stadiums. But these teams were all awful, and they continue to be awful. And yeah, I'm sure they saw, and it's not apples to apples, but they they saw attendance bumps the first year, the first two years. But then, hey, guess what? It was still terrible baseball. People stopped coming. The novelty wore off. So if you have a winner, they will come. We saw that at K State in the late '80s, well, not late '80s, but early '90s. Uh, TCU won and then built and then, you know, renovated their stadium. Uh, and those are the two closest examples that I can think of. But you, you have to win games first, and then you can do that. Um, I don't know of any college football program that's like, hey, let's build a brand-new stadium. And, and yeah, and, and I, it, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't make any sense. Right. I could understand the argument, like, for the new practice facility. Uh, I can understand the argument for – you know, upgrades of things that are, that the players themselves are going to benefit from a lot. So, like, if you, you know, if, if, sure. you, if you give them really nice locker rooms, you know, like, things that show that they're valued and, uh, you know, that can be used as a recruiting tool. But sure. most of the things that are being done in this race to Chan, it was, you know, it was, it was moving the track. Well, you know, having the track there, I mean, yeah, it was kind of inconvenient. It, was, it looked really bad and all of that, but it didn't, well... 
never mind. I, I take that back because there was a player safety issue with that, with players running out of the track and sliding and all of that fun stuff. Um, but a lot of the, the changes that are actually being made to the stadium, a lot of the things that were being done with the, the, the huge fundraising and the facilities improvements weren't actually related directly to the players for football. I mean, it was, you know, we're, we're upgrading fan experiences in Memorial Stadium. Um, you know, we've, we've seen time and time again the, the main driver of attendance is typically wins, and it typically lags wins. And I'm actually doing, I'm working on it right now, um, kind of an article diving into attendance numbers and, and records and things like that, and kind of to, to spoil the lead for everybody, you know, attendance goes up after you start to show progress on the field. It doesn't always have to be, like, really, really good seasons and, you know, 10, 11 win seasons. You know, just even the hope of progress and moving in the right direction is enough to get a big spike in attendance. But there has to be some sort of, you know, tangible sign of improvement before attendance will take a long-term bump upwards. Um, you know, building building new um, Wi-Fi hotspots or big boards to allow people that are in the concession lines to, to watch the action or things like that, that doesn't get people to come out into the stadium. You know, all that does is, you know, people that are out there will say, oh, yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of nice. Maybe uh, um, it's just as good of an experience to, to watch it in the stadium as it is to watch it from home. Um, you know, you might get to that point. But if, if the program is not putting the results out there that people actually want to come see, no one's going to get excited. No one's going to say, hey, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to stay home and watch a bunch of different good games on my TV. I'd rather go out and watch this program get completely blasted by you know, an O and eight or O and nine Baylor, you know, I mean, that's just not going to happen. Like we have to get the results on the field. So yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. It, it is a little odd that we're doing the huge stadium upgrades. Um, like I said, the, the practice facility, it makes sense to spend money on that practice facility. It makes sense to spend money on the things that the recruits would see, you know, you can sell a guy like a, a, a five-star or a four-star recruit from SEC country is like, look, you know, you can help us be the big turnaround. And, hey, look, we've got this awesome new facility for you to train in. You know, we've got all, like, all the things that you could possibly need to set yourself up for success. Like, those sorts of investments would be awesome opportunities for these guys. Um, and, that, and that would move the needle with recruiting. But, you know, no one, no one cares about bathroom renovations in the stadium or things like that. So, um, I feel like I've kind of taken over at this point, but, you know, I mean, do you see anything about the facility improvements other than the practice facilities that is going to help with recruiting, going to bring in brighter recruits, or, or help us to get more wins? I mean, I don't really know, Andy. You've got to have the facilities to get the kids in, um, but you also – you have to win games. Kids want to play for a winner. Um, there's not a lot of – four- and five-star kids out there who are growing up KU football fans who want to play for Kansas football when they get to college. It's just not It's just not happening. They're not at that point. Um, they have to have the facilities to compete. They have that with the locker room and, uh, you know, the, the, the training rooms and that kind of stuff, the, the weight rooms. Uh, so, yeah, the indoor practice facility is going to, it's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a big recruiting deal. Um, but all that does is, at best, put them on even terms with the schools that they're recruiting against in the Big 12. So then you have to have something else to pitch to them. You have to have, you know, playing time or uh, cash or, uh, you know, whatever it is. But, uh, but yeah, you see, you definitely have to do the, the facilities for the players first 
then once that is in place, get the right coach in who can win some games, who can sell some tickets, who can raise some money, and then you can do the fan experience. Uh, because you're right, people aren't going to come out and sit in a stadium for three or four hours and do all the tailgating and all that other stuff. They're going to stay at home and watch other college football games where, that are actually, you know, compelling and, um, you know, close and not beatdowns and, and entertaining. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, Kansas football has not been entertaining for ten years. If yeah, I mean yeah, ten years basically. I mean we yeah. we spent all of last summer talking about the team, you know, ten years. It was a ten year anniversary of the beginning of that season. So yeah, it's been ten years since since the last time KU was actually entertaining. I mean, you could you could make an argument that they were somewhat entertaining for a good portion of the year after the Orange Bowl, but you know, they didn't really end that season very well and it quickly down you know, spiraled downhill from there. So well, yeah, 2009 wasn't awful, but yeah, ever since 2010, so eight years. Yeah, definitely eight years. But I mean, yeah, you 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 can make the argument that it's been a decade. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'm looking through kind of what they're talking about in terms of what happened or what the the plan is for the stadium improvements. You know, they're talking about improvements to the south end zone and west side of the stadium after this season coming up. Uh, transformational construction that's going to include premium seating additional suites, a lounge, chairback seating, like a bunch of stuff for high-end donors, hopefully. You know, people that are that are going to be rewarded with premium seating. Um, not that it necessarily would be um, a huge reward to, you know, pay a bunch of money to come watch what we've got on the field right now. So, um, you know, I mean, it's all about seating and, you know, suites and all of that fun stuff, nothing to directly benefit the players other than the $15 million indoor football project facility, which, you know, is already in, in, in progress at this point. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm not, I'm not seeing anything in here that is really anything for us to get excited about. Like, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense to, to invest so heavily in the fan experience when we're having problems drawing fans out to the stadium anyway, and it has nothing to do with the amenities at the stadium. Um, the other thing that kind of concerns me is, you know, all the talk about the construction into the, into the, the south end of the, of the, or the south end zone, you know, that area. I mean, you know, there's talk that they're going to close the open, the open bowl. Um, you know, they're going to do something with like the view from the hill and all of that. I mean, is, is there any concern? Like when I was on campus, like that was kind of the charm of the stadium was the fact that you had it open there. You know, if you wanted to go picnic out there and kind of listen to the game and, and catch what was going on and still be there in like the game day atmosphere, um, but not actually going to the stadium, um, you know, that was a possibility. It was wonderful for like graduation when everybody walked down the hill. Like is there is there concern that making the radical changes that they're talking about doing is going to get rid of whatever little mystique that they actually have at the stadium? Well, let's let's first of all let's be honest, there's zero mystique at the stadium. And, and I'm not necessarily talking about like during football, but like part of what, you know, part of the main thing, like looking at it is, you know, being able to look at the Campanile, um, you know, kind of, kind of just that view. That's like the iconic view of Kansas Memorial Stadium. Is, right. Yeah. You know, and I, the hill, you know, that, that's like the only thing that sets it apart from any other stadium anywhere in the country. Yeah. And there's no way that you can close off the south end zone and keep that. There's just no way. Um, no matter what they say, at least I don't think so, no matter what they say, um, especially if you're sitting on the, you know, the lower half of the stadium, you're not going to 
be able to see that. You might be able to see the camping aisle sticking up over the right. stadium, but you'll just see the top half of it or whatever. Now, maybe if you're sitting on the very top row of the east side, you'll be able to see it. But, uh, you know, I think that would be about it. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's been uh, – and, and I think, a, a, you know, the stadium renderings that they showed, like, I think that looks awesome. Uh, but it's not going to matter if you're only putting 15,000 people in there. Right. Yeah. I just, I mean, I'm not sure it's all going to be worth it until we actually have a program that's worth going to see. And spending a bunch of money on fan amenities in a stadium is not going to improve the performance of the program. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have right. to agree. I, I don't know that the timing of this makes sense, but obviously once they've announced it, they have to follow through with at least raising the money for it. Uh-huh. Well, that's not true. Do you remember back in two was it at, was it after the Orange Bowl? Was it two thousand seven, two thousand eight? They announced the Gridiron Club, um, and they were they were trying to follow up on Mark Mangino's success, and they were going to build all these luxury suites on I believe on the east side of the stadium, and they were going to renovate the ones on the west side, and um, and they were trying to raise money for the Gridiron Club. I'm sure you can Google it, but uh, yeah, uh, I yeah, that right and, now. Yeah, and for you, I mean, that's all you heard about for six months or so, and then the, you know, the, uh, or maybe it was after the 2000, maybe it was after the Independence Bowl. I don't know. It was sometime around in there after Magino had all that success in 07, 08. Uh, but then in 09, when, you know, that season started to tank there, but, uh, you know, midway through and later on, you didn't hear a word about it, and it just kind of faded off into the sunset. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know that you can, have another one of those happen, though. I mean, yeah, maybe if something like the – and I completely forgotten about the Gridiron Club. I'm looking at it now. It's like, yeah, this is um, – I mean, th- that one kind of flops because of the economy in general. Like, that deal dealt it a big blow, and then – Well, the it, it did coincide with that, but it also coincided with, you know, the the screwing Mark Mangino and running him out of town and, yeah. and bringing in, you know, Turner Gill and – ugh. I don't even want to think about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, I, I think I think at the point that they're at now, like they can't hype this up as much as they had, and then just decide, oh, sorry, we couldn't get all the money for it, so we're not going to do it anymore. Like they've they've got to <laughs> they've got to push forward with this, or else, you know, there's really no hope. I mean, you know, if if you announce something like this, like how is any coach that they would hire going to take them seriously if they they have this this many problems and they back out of the commitments that they've made in terms of funding for the program. Like I realize it's well, not going directly into the program, but yeah, I mean that that would suggest a level of incompetence much higher than we already have, and that's saying something given what Kansas football has done. So right. Well, I will I will remind you of who put this together and who announced it. Um, I I, I won't give point. away his, his initials are Shane Zinger, um, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> The uh, the other thing I would say is that uh, you could still continue, I think, with the project. You're just going to have to delay it a year or two. Uh, you've got to – obviously, you've got to hit on the next football coach. You've got to get somebody in here who who may take some beatings in year one, but by year two, you can see progress on the field, whether or not it's in terms of wins or losses. You can see actual progress on the field, and then by year three, you can be – uh, going, you know, for a bowl game. I mean, Mark Mangino had the KU bowling in, in year two. Um, and you could tell, you could just tell something was different uh, 
you know, the the last half of Mark Mangino's first year and then going into the first few games of that second year, you could just tell there was something different about him and that something different about Kansas football. Yeah. And that's what they need in the next coach. The real depressing thing about that, though, is that's not an awful lot like exactly what we were saying before David Beatty got hired. So, Well, sure. Um, <laughs> it sucks that we're right back there, and we've kind of seen yeah. how that works. Um, where, you know, I think really what it comes down to is, unfortunately, um, we need we need a, a new AD that can be decisive. Because I think that was the biggest problem, is that Shane Zinger, you know, kind of dug in where he didn't need to dig in. He made personal connections and relationships with guys, um, you know, that he was supposed to be effectively overseeing and didn't, didn't leave himself in a position where he could make the tough calls that he would have to make to run an effective program. Um, you know, there was, there was a lot more talk about, and, and really the only, um, I guess the only positive thing that I consistently heard when, but before Shane Zinger was fired, but then even after with, oh, well, he was a really nice guy to work with. I mean, Bill Self even said, you know, he was a really nice guy that did a lot of things for us. Didn't say any of the nice, you know, the lot of things that he actually did to help them be successful. Um, like the main thing is, oh, he well, he was a pleasure to work with. Like that is not an effective way to run a program. We need a guy <laughs> who doesn't necessarily need to be liked by everyone. And it seems like that's what you know, Zinger was kind of looking for is he wanted to be the guy that everybody liked to work for. He didn't necessarily want to be the guy that held everybody accountable. Um, so as long as we can get a guy that, that we're comfortable can do that, then I'm going to feel comfortable with whoever the next coaching hire is. Um, you know, there's obviously always going to be more going into a decision like that than we can ever find out. But as long, you know, we've, we've seen what doesn't work. We've seen the guys that can't really seem to get it together if we can get an AD in there that I, that we can at least trust to to put forward the best effort for it, um, then I think that fans will get behind him very very quickly. Um, I, I mean, I have a hard time seeing him, you know, being able to credibly get fans behind David Beatty staying unless Beatty, you know, wins five or six games this year. Um, but ultimately, you know, if we have confidence in the AD and that's ultimately what he decides, I think I could give him a little bit of leeway there. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, I think I think honestly, the AD is one of the most important hires that we have uh, in a very, very long time, and that's you know saying something given that we've had so many disastrous football coach hires. So, yeah, I agree. All right, any other any other final thoughts on the stadium, the football program, any of that fun stuff? I think you got it all. All right, yeah. So we'll go ahead and leave that there. We do have, you know, I want to make sure we leave some stuff for the other. Uh, two episodes of this that we that we have for sure um coming up so this is being released um on on june 1st so if you guys are listening on the day that it's released um congratulations you know you're actually getting the uh, the most up-to-date news that we have here but uh we will be releasing a new episode of the of the podcast as part of our 100 day countdown to football um on the first of every month so the first of july the first of august um the last one we'll have will be a little bit before because it'll be kicking off the regular season um, you know, and we'll actually have the preview of that first game against Nickel State. So um, we will be trying to do a few more episodes here and there in between. Uh, I really want to catch up with the KU club hockey team. Um, but like I said previously, I want to try to get like Jill Dorsey Holland to do a preview of volleyball and all that fun stuff. So we will not only be talking football, so you definitely do want to pay attention to the podcast, even if you're soured on football at this point. So, um, But Mike, thank you for joining me. Thank you guys for listening. Um, we will catch you guys, or as always, 
you know, make sure that you uh, follow us on Twitter at Rock Talk Talk. You can email us rock or rctsbn at gmail.com. Uh, if you do have any questions, if you have any ideas of what we can talk about other than football or anything specifically about the football team you want us to talk about, definitely get in touch with us. You can get in touch with me or Mike personally. Um, all of our information is up on the site for you to get in touch with us as well. So, uh, thanks again, guys, for listening. Mike, thanks once again for joining me. I know this isn't necessarily the most pleasant thing to talk about all the time. So, uh, <laughs> yep, no problem. Glad to do it. And, uh, Andy, you forgot Facebook. Facebook.com slash oh, Yes, definitely. Uh, Facebook, we... We don't. We aren't necessarily um, as active on Facebook as we could be. But we definitely do appreciate those guys that, that check in there, um, that interact with us there, and are reacting to our links and all of that fun stuff. So, Facebook is definitely its own unique community. We, we try to get out there as much as possible. Um, it's definitely a different group of fans out there, and we appreciate being able to talk to so many different groups of fans that have so many different opinions. So, uh, once again, guys, thanks for listening. We will catch you next time on the Rock Chalk Talk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.